We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Iron Network. We're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat, and we have a special guest to discuss the NBA draft with us tonight. John Wasserman from Bleacher Report. John, what's going on, man? I uh, typically see you at the Combine every year, but because this is a hellacious year in every way possible, that was all digital this season. So uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I mean, I've... I'm kind of sick and tired of talking about the same guys over and over, but let's do it again. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, I guess I'll open this just by saying, yeah. what are you hearing about the Bulls right now uh, from people you talk to around the league, and sort of what insight do you have on their thinking into the fourth overall pick right now? So I could tell you what people are saying, and it's probably not coming from Chicago, but what people you know in the league think they're doing and, and maybe what they've heard from inside the front office, and I've heard Halliburton has been a name from a couple of people that, that Chicago is giving a hard look at. Um, I think everyone kind of assumes that the top three are going to be Lamelo, Wiseman, Edwards, and whatever order. And so, you know, I haven't really heard much about whether Chicago wants any of those guys just because I think the assumption is they'll be off the board. Um, I've heard they've shown interest in Killian Hayes, um, and then I think – the natural assumption, I guess, which I'm making, and that this is just totally speculation, is Denny Avdia, to me, is is like right there in the best player available category, a guy who fits what they already have, if, in fact, they're looking for a guy who fits what they already have. Um, and so those three names stand out to me as, uh, well, the two of them are, are guys I've heard they've shown interest with, and Denny is somebody who, to me, just makes too much sense to ignore. Uh, I was going to ask you about the top three next, actually. So, obviously, Wiseman, Ball, and Edwards are projected uh, to be the first three players taken in this draft. The Bulls have the fourth pick. Uh, which of those players do you think is most likely to fall? And give me a, like, percent odds that it happens uh, on draft night. Falls out of the top three. I mean, I think the funny thing is, like, 
Lamelo Ball probably has the best chance to go one and the best chance to slip to Chicago. I mean, and, and obviously a lot's going to depend on if any trades are made. But you know, we could just kind of talk it out loud. If if Minnesota takes Edwards and the Warriors take Wiseman, it wouldn't be crazy to think that Charlotte would take Obi Toppin. I mean, I think Obi is the guy who can really mess things up a little bit and allow someone like Lamelo to slip. Uh, everyone I talk to loves Obi Toppin, whereas, like, you know, there are a lot of questions about Anthony Edwards' maturity and his professionalism, whether he's got a style meant for winning, and there are questions about Lamelo's shooting and defense and his maturity as well. And even, you know, of course, everyone seems to have questions, at least on Twitter, about Wiseman's fit and upside in today's league. And everybody, I know that Toppin has, like, defensive question marks, but everyone I've talked to around the league, nobody doesn't seem like it's going to really factor into his draft stock, into a team's evaluation on him, because everyone's buying his offensive upside. And a team like the Hornets, who I think were like 28 in offense and really don't have any solid go-to player. I mean, Devontae Graham was their best scorer, and he shot 38% from the floor. I wouldn't be shocked if they took Obi, you know, over LaMelo. But, yeah, I'd say LaMelo, I still have LaMelo going number one, but if he doesn't go one, I think it's possible he slides to Chicago at four. Yeah, speaking of LaMelo, perfect segue here. You wrote, you had a column, the best fits for LaMelo Ball, uh, and you had the Bulls as the best fit. Uh, why do you, I know Ricky loves LaMelo. He also thinks he's number one in the draft. Why do you think LaMelo Ball is, his best fit is with the Bulls? I mean, I think if you're LaMelo, Chicago is the team you'd want to go to. I mean, I think he gives you the best balance of touches, you know, playing time at the one. He, he gives them something Chicago needs, which is passing. And at the same time, Unlike we saw in Australia, where he had to kind of force the issue a lot, and they relied on him to score, he doesn't really—they don't really have to rely on him to take so many tough shots. With Levine and Mark and in, I'm assuming Carter's going to have a bigger role, and Kobe White can probably score 20 on any, any given night. So, just a good balance. He doesn't—you know—he won't have too heavy of a workload. He could just play to his strengths as a passer. And, and honestly, I kind of like Kobe coming off the bench as that six man. It's yep. just something about the the whole team as a whole with with Lamelo there giving him giving them the passing they need and and Chicago giving them the support that he needs. Yeah, I fully agree with everything you said there. There is a section of the Bulls fan base that thinks that the Bulls should let Kobe be the point guard next year. And why would you draft another point guard when you just drafted Kobe White? Uh, To me, Kobe sort of projects more as like a microwave scorer guy who can give who can give you some versatility in terms of playing on or off the ball at either backcourt spot. Uh, you know, what, what were sort of your impressions of Kobe's first year, and wh- where do you see him in terms of an archetype ending up long-term? Yeah, I mean, you kind of – listen, you guys watch more Chicago Bulls than I did. But that's, <laughs> but that's exactly the type of player I kind of predict he'll be in terms of his trajectory in the league and his value and his fit. Like, I think he's just better as a, a guy who focuses more on scoring. And, of course, he'll give you secondary playmaking. But I wouldn't want Kobe White with the ball for 30 minutes a game making all the decisions. Um, I just think he's he's just a better scorer than he is facilitator. And I think in today's league, you could you could play three guards at the same time. I mean, you could play LaMelo and Kobe and Levine. I mean, if they even keep Levine on the roster once this draft is done. But yeah, to me, I, I think Levine is better. I mean, uh, Kobe is better off just focusing on doing what he does best. And that's shot making. That's catching fire, you know, rattling off 12 points in a couple minutes. Uh, that's like, that's his game. Yeah, I guess and if the Bulls did draft a LaMelo or Killian, like you mentioned with Zach Levine playing three guards, like do you think that they would actually keep all three guys? Or do you think 
this is a situation where if they draft one of these guys, maybe they have to pick between Kobe and Zach in the future to, to pair with whoever they draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know exactly what they're going to do in the future and, and what their plan is. I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to get rid of Levine. I mean, he's just like, we know what he is at this point, and he's a, a producer. But um, I think, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I think like he's not, his spot-up numbers are pretty bad. Like he's not somebody who's, you can kind of, Put off the ball. Maybe that's one of my hesitations with Lamelo. There is Lamelo needs the ball, and then yeah. so that I mean, that means Levine plays a little bit more spot up, and that he's not really great at you know standing on the wings and in, in, in the corners and you know picking his spots as a as a secondary scorer. Like he needs the ball in his hands, and when he has the ball in his hands, he can score. But everyone else kind of does a little standing around, and obviously he's not super efficient. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. I wouldn't be shocked if. If they're seeing what they could get for Levine. All right, back to back to the draft. I know you have Denny as the sixth overall player on your big board. I have him a little bit lower than that, and I, in my opinion, I don't think he really has the upside to necessitate being a top five pick. But uh, people who are a lot smarter than me, like yourself, seem to really like Denny. So uh, give me the case for how Denny can bring back the value of the number four overall pick. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm with you. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't bet on any All Star appearances. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if like he made an All Star game once in his career, but I'm not betting on a star. I'm betting on his, on his floor, and I think there's just a lot of certainty with Denny in this draft, and I'm valuing that certainty in a field filled with uncertainty, and so I just feel safe about him. Like I know he's a pro. I know he's going to, you know, be a a, a worker, a high character guy, and. He checks a lot of boxes. He does a little bit of everything. Of course, the knock is he doesn't do any one thing great, and that's what could prevent him from becoming a star. I mean, it's tough to picture him ever being like a 23-point-per-game scorer or anything. And uh, But I just, you know, I just, I just like his overall game and, and a guy who can pretty much fit with whatever team that picks him. And so it's kind of like a, I know I have him at number six, but really that range, it really depends who I'm picking for. Um, and so if, if you said to me he was 10 and not 6, I mean, I really wouldn't put up much of a fight. And depending, again, who I was picking for at number 6, I might say, okay, I actually like Patrick Williams upside a little bit more for this particular team, so I'd take Pat Williams. But, yeah, to me, it's with Denny, it's just uh, the safety more than, than picturing the upside. Uh, so you mentioned Halliburton as, you know, potentially a guy the Bulls might be interested in. So I think, you know, the Bulls roster right now, in my opinion, is sort of totally in flux. Uh I think it's possible that, you know, whatever young core the Bulls have right now could definitely be broken up. And that, uh, you know, the piece that is drafted at four, I think that in a lot of ways, like, you're going to want to try to build around that guy's skill set to build a team that, like, complements that player's skill set mm-hmm. to an extent. So Halliburton, how do you, what's the ideal role for Tyrese Halliburton, like, in terms of how he's used in an NBA team in the pieces you want around him? Yeah, I mean, I think ideally he is – your secondary ball handler, like I love Halliburton in Atlanta, where Trey Young does all the dancing and creating. And Halliburton ranked in the 99th percentile as a spotted player, so he's totally comfortable spotting up and shooting off the catch. But of course, he gives you that secondary playmaking. Of course, the big question with Halliburton is: Can he beat anyone off the dribble? You know, do you can, can your offense put enough pressure on the defense if he is your number one ball handler? I happen to like him in Chicago because they have. Kobe and Levine to put pressure on defense with their scoring, with their off the dribble games, and Mark and uh, and uh, Halliburton could kind of just play to his strengths, moving the ball, knocking down open shots, making good decisions, passing. I mean that's his game. So uh, I, I question whether or not you want 
him being your lead guy, again, for 35-plus minutes, because I just question whether he could put enough pressure on defenses off the dribble and, and transition. But I think as a secondary playmaker and a spot-up player, um, I just think he's a, a good fit. And, and again, uh, just like Denny, like I value his floor over his upside. I don't picture an all-star, but I just picture a guy who could make the game easier for them guys around him and fit into pretty much any lineup. Uh, how do you evaluate his defense? Because to me, I think that uh, while he has some really impressive defensive statistics at the college level, I, I feel stupid saying this, but like he just seems like a little too skinny for me. I think he's going to be like targeted early in his career defensively, but also like the numbers sort of indicate that he should be pretty good long term with that massive steal percentage. I think it was near four percent. So, yeah. uh, what, how do, how do you view his defense, and do you view him as being like an above average NBA defender long term? I mean, I think he's. I'm kind of in the middle to the point where I'm not worried about him, but I'm not going to pretend like that 3.8 steal percentage means he's going to be a stopper. Uh, I think he's a smart. I think that IQ is going to translate to defense, and he's going to make smart plays. And yeah, there are going to be some, you know, depending on who he's matched up against, some guys who take advantage of the fact that he's got those long, skinny legs, and he's probably easy to play through. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think he's really going to kill you defensively. I don't think he's really going to move the needle for a team that much at either end. Uh, I was going to say, I have a quick question about Halliburton as well. But first, a uh, quick word from our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in the hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in at every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we're back, Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls Podcast. We are talking NBA Draft with Jonathan Wasserman of Bleach Report. We've been talking about LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, and the question I was going to ask about Halliburton, you mentioned that you've heard from some other teams or for, from around the league that the Bulls might have some interest in Halliburton. Uh, you guys were just talking about how he kind of fits in with the team. Ricky, I know you you are kind of questionable, questionable on him. Do you think the Bulls would actually take him at four? Do you think that would be maybe a guy that maybe they'd look to trade back and get? Because four seems like a bit of a reach for him, but maybe if the Bulls want to trade down and maybe get another asset, maybe they take him a little further back in the draft. Do you think they would actually take him at four? Um, I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet against it. He's another one of those guys, like I said with Toppin, like everybody likes Halliburton. Uh, just one of those 
he aces every interview. He's just like such a likable kid. And the fact that he can fit anywhere and makes good decisions and just like a trustworthy player, I think in this draft just holds a lot of value. Um, I, I, again, I wouldn't bet on him taking him at yeah. four. I think ideally they would trade back, you know, with like the Knicks or something or Detroit and yeah. try and get him a couple spots later. Um, and, uh, and to me, Denny, I think from what I'm hearing, more, more people have Denny over Halliburton on their boards. So that's, I'd assume they pick Denny over Halliburton. Um, but I've seen crazier things. Yeah. Uh, the Bulls were reported to bring Kyra Lewis in for a workout today. Uh, he's sort of seen as a fringe lottery pick, I think, like, you know, sort of in that, let's say, 17 to 10 range or something. Uh, but, you know, there has been a little buzz with the Knicks on him, too, so maybe he could even go as high as number eight. Uh, what do you think the sort of the pitch for Kyra Lewis to be your guy is? Like, if you're going to trade back a few spots, maybe pick up an additional asset, uh, you know, do you see him as a primary initiator long term? How do you see his defense and, you know, sort of how projectable do you think his shooting is? Yeah, I mean, I don't love him for, for Chicago. I think he's a little bit too similar to Kobe White. I think he's, like, if I'm the Knicks, I'd be more interested in in, in uh, Lewis than I would be if I'm Chicago. Like the Knicks, who don't have a point guard who can really, again, get into the paint and make things happen. And that's, I think that's going to be Lewis's moneymaker like that's what's what he's going to earn him contracts is his ability to create scoring opportunities and get into the paint and and keep defenses backpedaling I I don't love him because I just don't question him I, I just don't trust his decision making and his ability to execute as a score at a high level in terms of you know shooting a high percentage and having a good assist to turnover ratio um, I think he's going to be able to generate a lot of offense and create opportunities I kind of like him in the Dennis Schroeder role. Like, uh, that's kind of the player I expect him to be in terms of trajectory, in terms of value in the league. Not an all-star guard, but a, a valuable guard if he lands in the right lineup. And um, so that's kind of what I what I see with Lewis. And I, I I don't think the Knicks would take him at eight. It does seem like a little bit of a reach, given who else is going to be on the board. But to me, what I'm hearing, and, and I know he worked out for. Orlando also, and Orlando to me seems like such an obvious fit. I'd, I'd imagine he goes somewhere in that late lottery range to Orlando. Uh, you have Devin Vassell 16, which I think is a little lower than um, a lot of people have him. So uh, curious, you know, like I would even be fine with the Bulls taking Vassell at four, I think, in a lot of ways, just because uh, I, I do think like he's a safe bet to have a very solid NBA career at a premium position. I really like his defense. I trust his shooting, even though obviously the the change in form has been a little worrisome uh, in the pre-draft process. But uh, just curious, you're thinking on why you have Vassell 16. Uh, you know, is it mostly because he just lacks all creation ability, or kind of what's your thought process on that? Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've had Vassell. I moved him down in the last board probably more than I moved anyone else, and it had nothing to do with that video that's going around. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just I and, and maybe this is also this is this could screw me later because there's just so much time, like too much time to change my mind, right? And, and how many yep. times can I watch the same damn games over and over again? And eventually it's gonna, you know, play tricks on me. And so I don't know. At this point, I'm like, okay, maybe I got a little excited. I wanted to move him up. Uh, I love his three and D and the potential that he's shown with this new pull up game that he had this year, which he didn't have the year ago. But he really just doesn't really show much creativity at all. And for me, for a wing player. Um, you know, second year, 12.7 points per game, 
1.6 assists. Like, I'm not huge on putting too much stock into stats, but he's just such a limited creator in terms of um, someone you can give the ball to in the half court and say, go get a bucket. I just don't see it. And we're really banking – offensively, we're just really banking on him being a big-time shooter. And he really didn't shoot threes at a a, uh, high volume. Like, he took three and a half per game this year. I mean, he made one and a half – that's supposed to be his, like – Money maker offensively, and he didn't take, he didn't make that many threes, um, and and he does have a little bit of a weird release that's like so far above his head, which I like, but also uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of me questioning it. Seventy three point eight percent from the free throw line. I wish it was a little higher. So we're just putting a lot of stock into that jump shot because I don't really see him being a creator. And I love his defense. Don't have a negative thing to say about it. Um, and I compare him to Mikael Bridges, which is a nice role player, but I just can't picture any upside, and I'm just a little bit hesitant to put all that stock into his jumper. I'd like to go back to Killian Hayes, which we haven't talked about that much here. You have him number two right behind LaMelo Ball. I know Ricky had Killian Hayes in his first mock draft right after the lottery. Killian Hayes to the Bulls, we did a whole podcast about Killian Hayes where we talked about him, and I I was kind of sold on him. Why do you like Killian Hayes at number two, or not even in your mock draft, just on your board over some of the other, like over Anthony Edwards, over James Wiseman, over the other guys that are uh, at the top of the board? Yeah, so that range for me is really, again, it depends who's picking. Like if the team at number two already has a ball-dominant point guard, I could say, okay, I understand not taking Killian Hayes. My confidence level isn't that high that he's the second best prospect in the draft. But he's just, to me, he's the most complete guard in the draft. Um, he keeps getting better, and he's 19. And so I just, things I'm banking on, like for a 6'5 guard with his passing instincts and passing skills, like I'm banking on him being a playmaker. I feel confident that that's going to translate. The assists are going to carry over. Um, and then the fact that he was a great finisher despite lacking explosiveness. Like over the years, I've, I've put less stock into athleticism. We've seen too many guys excel at the NBA level without that Russell Westbrook, you know, burst. And so I, I love his touch in the paint, uh, the way he uses his body and, and size to finish. He's got a good pull-up game, shot 41%. And really the big knock is three-point shooting, but he doubled his three-point mix from a year ago. He shoots over 85% from the line every season. And so I'm just kind of buying him continually, buying the fact that he's buying the idea that he'll improve a little bit each year. And by the time he's, what, 22, 23 you know, he'll be a, a good enough shooter. He doesn't have to be 40% knockdown, but he kind of reminds me of, of Goran Dragic in, in terms of his ceiling, in terms of his style, and Dragic entered the league. He was a non-shooter. And then eventually, you know, it just it just started to click, and, and he became good enough. And I think Hayes just has to be good enough when you pair it with his scoring efficiency, scoring efficiency inside the arc, his passing, um, his finishing, and I think he's got the chance to be uh, a pretty good defender. Maybe not somebody that's going to change a game defensively, but nobody that's going to be a liability and somebody that makes some you know good reads off the ball and gets you steals. And, and so I just don't really have any big concerns with him. Uh, what do you think the ideal role for Patrick Williams is? Patrick Williams, one of the younger players in this draft, combo forward out of Florida State. You have him number seven on your big board. Uh, you know, Do you see him as someone who could like kind of get, provide enough rim protection where you can pair him with more of a, you know, defensively limited center? Uh, you know, what what's sort of the ideal setup for Pat Williams? Yeah, I mean, he's, I think at the best, of course, he's a power forward. Um, and honestly, I, I, I don't know what he's going to look like five years from now. I have him top 10 because I just think he's just such a good 
bet there's just like if he hits, I mean the the, the skill set that he has for his for his body is pretty unique. I mean six eight two twenty five. Obviously he pops physically, but he was handling and picking rolls and dishing with his left hand and knocking down pull ups at a forty percent clip, and he made threes even though it wasn't efficient and he finished tough inside and defense he was you know all over the place made some mistakes here and there but average a steal and block per game he's the youngest NCAA prospect in the field there's just like a lot going for him and uh, from what I hear that he's he's a worker he's an animal and I heard that before the season and honestly of all the guys uh, that were one and done I probably knew the least amount about Patrick Williams um, and I'm glad that I did so I didn't have any you know any idea of what to expect beforehand because he's even though he didn't have a lot of production uh he just the flashes are what i'm buying and i'm 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 betting on him kind of turning those flashes into more regular occurrences in terms of his fit yeah obviously i think it would be nice for him to have a a rim protector behind him um and of course who wouldn't want like a rim protector would also step outside and shoot threes just in case williams jumper doesn't catch on soon but he's just like an animal he can do a lot of different things he's just a pretty unique player um, looking at maybe some other guys, a little maybe a little further back, maybe with the Bulls did trade back. Uh, I did not know anything about this guy recently. As I'm not like a huge draft Nick or whatever. When we had one of our other draft guys, he was talking about talking up Poku big time, and I see you have him at number eleven here on the board. He seems like a super unique prospect. Uh, I guess just talk a little about what you see him or how you see him translating in the NBA. Why you have him at number eleven, which seems like, I mean that's obviously like lottery level. Uh, just seems like a really unique guy. So I'd like to hear your take on Poku. Yeah, I mean if you. Listen, I could only I could totally understand why you think eleven is a reach, but just like Patrick Williams, like this is just a gamble worth taking in this draft. I don't think you're I don't think you're passing on any can't miss guys at yeah. number eleven. And when you take into account what he can do, um, you know, you go down the scouting report. He's seven foot and he he shoots threes. He handles it in open floor. He's a flashy passer. He's a monster shot blocker. And if you look at his his stats, I know they were in Greece's second division, but they were the same as they were in FIBA, and he made one and a half threes, he averaged three assists, he averaged over two blocks. Like if you look at college basketball database, like no player has ever averaged those particular stats. Like he checks the most unique boxes for a seven footer for any player. And he's the youngest player in the draft and he's just like unbelievably talented and skilled. And of course a lot has to go right for him to, to hit. But I mean there's just guys like him don't come around often. I know that's another kind of a cliche, but he's just so rare and unique. And I think if he gets the right coaching staff and the right development team. I mean, oof, uh, he's, he's just a lot of fun. And, and I've talked to some scouts who are like, yeah, mid-second round. you know. And then I've talked to some scouts, um, including some in the teens, who say that if it was up to them, they'd take him they'd take him where they're picking, which was in that 15 to 20 range, uh, a couple teams. And so I'm curious to see where he goes. Um, I, I, th- I think based on what I'm talking – the guys I'm talking to, I, I think he's going to end up going – like to Portland or to Dallas or to Minnesota in that range. But, um, yeah, he's a, a risk-reward pick, but I think the potential reward is worth the risk in this draft. And both also have the 44th pick in the second round. So uh, give me some guys who you like in the mid-second round, some dudes who you think might be available and can uh, make an impact. Yeah, I mean, some of the guys who are like I have top 20 are also, you know, 40 and some other boards. There's just so much parity and so much people have, like I said, the same guy could be 15, could be on 40 on a different board. Like I love Grant Riller. Um, I know he's a popular draft Twitter guy, 
uh, too, and to somebody who was such a good shot creator that I don't really care what you, how he fits on your team. I just think he's a steal anywhere on the board. I love Malachi Flynn. I have him at number 20. Um, I guess depending on what Chicago does at number four, to me, Flynn, if, if he's still there at 44, would be an obvious choice. I think Jemias Ramsey from Texas Tech, I, I know it's kind of similar to Zach Levine, but just a bucket getter and somebody who's probably low because of some of his like defensive lapses and bad shots and forgets the shot clock and stuff like that. But I think that's stuff that can be corrected over time. You can't teach his, his body, his shot creation, and his shot-making really comfortable, believable shooting stroke. If you ask me, Xavier Tillman, to me, is somebody who's going to play 10-plus years in the NBA just by making good defensive reads and you know making good passes and, and cutting in a timely fashion and getting easy buckets. Uh, those guys stand up to me. Killian Tilly, I mean, if Killian Tilly is there at 44, which he very well could be, um, of course, everyone's looking at Tilly's injury history, but he shot over 40% in four straight years at Gonzaga. Like how many guys do that? And how many do it when they're six foot ten and actually have a high skill level and IQ? So there's, to me, there's a lot of guys in this draft. I know this draft doesn't get talked about, you know, in good light, and, and everyone's talking about it as a down year. But I actually think there's a lot of good value in that 15 to 40 range, and I don't really think there's a much difference between the guy who's 40 and who's number 15. That is quite a statement. Uh, between 15 and 40, there's not a huge drop in value. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the argument for it. You have someone like Skylar Mays uh, in the early 20s. Do you hear him, hear about him being a first-round pick? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Skylar Mays. I think Skylar Mays is a great pick to be a, a sleeper who could outperform his draft slot. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not even positive he gets drafted. I, I guess he does, but nobody – I haven't heard anyone say – He's a first-rounder. I don't know. I, maybe I'm seeing something a little different. Me and you, Ricky, are seeing something a little different, but he kind of reminds me of, like, all the reasons I didn't like Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon before the draft. Like, I don't want to make the same mistake twice. And, and Mays, to me, is just, like, such a crafty player who doesn't really need much explosiveness, and, and I think he's got better with his shot and good passer. If he's not going to be a basketball player, he's going to be a doctor. He's like crazy smart. I don't know. Just one of those guys I just totally see finding a way into the NBA. All right. So my last question here for you is uh, just kind of as like an outsider, as not a, a Bulls guy, what do you think of their, just like kind of the overhaul that they've done with hiring Arturis Karnasovic and Mark Eversley, and they got Billy Donovan here. Uh, do you expect this front office on draft night to be aggressive? Do you think they'll kind of just like, Play it as it goes. I mean, I feel like there had he uh, in Dallas. AK was part of a front office that uh, they found some late gems. They've made some big trades. I guess just like what I guess what anything you've heard about. I, I know they've kind of played things close to the vest. Like, I guess just what do you think that they're? You would guess that this new front office will do as they try to get this rebuild back on track. I wouldn't be shocked if they blow it up, and or at least attempt to blow it up. I don't know how yeah. it's going to be. Um, and I know injuries have played a big role in why Chicago hasn't been successful, but I think at this point, like they got to make a change with the core players, and and they they could still like marketing could still have value. I, I'm always so curious. And I asked Ricky, I think the last time we did a podcast, I was like, what is marketing's value? What is what is he viewed in Chicago versus what is viewed around the league? Um, I don't know that answer. I, I'm I'm curious as like what marketing could go for in a trade. And, I, yeah, I have no idea either. Like we've talked about it plenty. Like he had such a straight, like just a down season. 
Uh, and he's just kind of been like the same guy for three years now. And like, obviously super disappointing as Bulls fans here. So like, I, I, I don't know what he would go in a trade. Like if the Bulls, like if I would even say like, I mean, would the Bulls, like if they tried to trade up for a guy like LaMelo Ball, like would they include like Lowry Markkinen to do that? I honestly have no idea. Or if they tried to trade Lowry for like a first round pick, just like, I don't know what kind of first round pick they could get. If they could even get one, I'm honestly not totally sure. Like, do you think, they could get anything like that. Do you think they'd want to include it? Like, do you, if the Bulls maybe were trying to aggressive to go trade up for Lamella Ball to number two or number one, like, do you think they would trade Lowry or any of those guys? Dude, I don't even know if Lowry is like, is he good or is he not good? I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no <laughs> so, idea. I mean, like, again, like, I have no idea. The Warriors could be like, I want nothing to do with that guy. Right. And they could also be like, whoa, you're going to throw in Lowry? Then damn right, like, I'll give you, you know, Lamella Ball. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I have no idea, but I don't know. I'd imagine that the, the new front office, I love the front office. I love Billy Donovan. Like I like, I, I totally have more trust in, of course. I mean, of course we all have more trust now in the decision-making behind the scenes, but I got to think that he's, they're going to go out of their way to try and get new guys, new faces and try something else. Uh, because it's really, it's really tough to picture much upside with these core guys and, and, and these core guys, you know, need to get paid. So uh, I got to imagine they're going to try and blow it up a little bit. Uh, I got yeah. one last question for you, John, and this is a selfish one because <laughs> every year I write the next year's mock draft, the day after the draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I've had a lot of time, I haven't watched a ton of 2021 tape yet, uh, and I haven't really been able to go to any of the events that I would typically go to in part because of the pandemic. So right. uh, I think everyone knows that, or everyone agrees at least, that Cade Cunningham is projected to be the top pick or is Twitter's favorite top pick uh, <laughs> to go number one. Who do you have two, three, four? Like, what are some names in that range? Do you view Jalen Green as, you know, a for sure top three guy? Uh, is there a guy with less high school hype who you would have, you know, in that top three range? So just curious what you think the top of the 21 draft looks like outside of Cade. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Cade, and then there's like a gap, and then there's the next group of guys. And I can't say with confidence, like, who the number two is. I mean, Jalen Green's in the mix, but I could easily see him being more of like a guy who's like five or six. Uh, I mean, I really like BJ Boston, Brandon Boston at Kentucky. Like, I don't see how he's not going to be a high pick. Um, I love Kaminga. Uh, he, he's just another guy who I just – he's just so talented and so skilled, 6'8", with his particular perimeter game. Um, Evan Mobley, I mean, I, I see the appeal to him. I'm not – I'm still just not jumping out of my chair for these seven-footers. Um who, I mean, I know he guess he has guard skills, but I'm kind of waiting to see whether or not he can actually pull them off in the game. Um, and, and, you know, Jalen Johnson going to Duke is going to be pretty interesting as like a point four. Um, I think at this point, I mean, I'm pretty close to saying Boston would be my number two, but I'm also not a big fan of like having hard, you know, having super confident takes so early before even watching them in college, but I, I feel pretty confident that Cade is like by far and away the best prospect in the class. All right. Well, John is one of my favorites who covers the NBA draft doing it at Bleacher Report. He's been doing it for years. Uh, I think your work just gets better and better every year too, man. So I know oh, that thanks, you buddy. are uh, sick of this draft class <laughs> and yeah. I think Jason and I are too, but uh, we appreciate you uh, hopping on with us tonight. Of, of course, guys, anytime. I appreciate you bringing me up. Yeah, and let everyone know uh, where they can find all your work. Obviously, Bleacher Report. If you have anything coming out soon, new mock draft or all that kind of stuff, just if you want to, and your Twitter account, just uh, let it, let our listeners know. Yeah, I mean, I've been working the phones the past couple of days, so I have like a, a rumors 
Buzz piece coming out um, tomorrow. Uh, big board is that Monday, and uh, they're going to be keeping me busy up until draft time. So uh, and I'll be pumping out a lot of content over the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, that what do we got? Like three weeks now till the draft? Like I said, it's about damn time. We've, we've been talking about this draft for so much. It's just want this to happen already, and then who knows what the hell is going to happen with the season. We got all these rumors about when free agency – it's going to be fucking crazy in this next like month or two. Like I know the players don't want to start so early, but it looks like the league wants to, and they'll probably talk the players into it. So if we have like draft and then free agency and camp within like the next month, it's going to be absolutely wild. It's going to be a lot of fun, too, even though we haven't really ha- had much of a kind of a downtime. But, Jonathan, thank you again so much for joining us. As always, you've been a pleasure both times you cut on. Come on, we'll have to obviously talk to you again in the future and future drafts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for here at Cash Considerations, for Jason and Ricky here, uh, shout out to the Blue Wire Network, shout out to our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online, and shout out to all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network. Uh, for us, rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. Give us those five-star ratings. Give us your feedback. We'd love to know what we can do better, anything you guys want us to talk about leading up to this draft again. It's going to be a busy next couple months here, and we might get Bulls basketball back sooner than most people are expecting. So that's, I guess, kind of exciting with this new era upon us. Uh, so for Jason and Ricky, it's been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.